Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Coleman Had a Dream podcast. We are back after a little summer break, and we are going to talk to you about lots of different things Welsh football related today. Uh, as always, I am joined by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth? All right, all right. It's been a bit of an up and downy sort of summer. Uh, I confess, I basically took July off football. So it'll be interesting to try, try and get up to speed and uh, <laughs> on top of everything that's been going on in, in, in and around the the Welsh teams but uh, yeah no good good summer overall see this is what people want Ruth people want to come back and they want us to be knowledgeable and on the ball yeah no uh, and, no, uh, and you've no, taken no, a month no. off I touch, I'll be honest I took July off <laughs> excellent stuff well <laughs> I shut the doors on football for a month it was it was actually really nice <laughs> well I suppose people who listen to this podcast regularly will be expecting nothing less from us to be perfectly honest so uh, at least and at you've, least you've had a nice month back in Wales haven't you yeah I had a great time in Wales it was nice I went back home for a combination of about three weeks or in and got to see some friends some family got to see some football went to see Merthyr in a friendly which was really really good um yeah it was just kind of nice to be back in Wales and I've, I will say in the in the opposite to you I've missed football so I've been trying to keep on top of things as much as possible um so uh yeah I went to uh, I went to watch PSV Eindhoven last night in a in a Champions League qualifier against Monaco which was a hilariously one-sided game of football uh in Monaco's favor that somehow PSV won with basically every time they came forward they scored it was a very entertaining game of football and if anyone's not been to the Phillips Stadium if, if, you, if you ever have the chance you're ever in Eindhoven which I appreciate is not a, a popular holiday destination uh, it is well worth a, a visit the atmosphere was unbelievable it was absolutely packed um, so much fun such a great stadium like we had such great seats um, and they were by far away but not the best seats in the house. So I would definitely recommend it. It's a fantastic place to go and watch football. Um, obviously, we are not here to tell you about our summer holidays. Ruth is not Judith Chalmers, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's talk about what we're here to talk about, which is some Welsh football. Um, the first thing we wanted to go through, Ruth, we've spent so much time in the last few months talking about transfers and who might end up where. We're actually beginning to kind of see things take shape and obviously as as regular listeners will know all of our predictions are completely wrong probably apart from Gareth Bale I think uh, we we did suggest MLS for him a couple of times but let's start with Bale then I mean looking at that and and what has happened for him so far that seems like a a great move he's going to play regular football and obviously he's he's hit the ground running scoring a couple of goals as well already as well yeah interest interesting move I think um LAFC are, in, are an interesting choice. They're obviously a very doing very well this season. So I like the fact that he can go into an MLS team a, a bit as a sort of icing on the cake, as it were, as opposed to trying to drag them, you know, a team that needs dragging into the playoffs, as it were, would put would put more pressure on him. Um, they're, as you all know, they're a relatively new franchise expansion team and have, yeah. you know, taken quite a different sort of tack than the LA Galaxy, the LA Galaxy are all sort of, you know, California glam, whereas LAFC are a bit more blue blue collar and uh, have got, a you know, a really good relationship with their fans. The fans were very involved in, you know, even into the design of the of the stadium and, and things like that when, when they were first, you know, sort of first coming online. So I do, I do think it's an interesting choice. Um, they have quite a heated rivalry, obviously with the Galaxy, but also with the with the Portland Timbers here in uh, in Oregon. So so guess where I'm heading in October? Oh, you're going to the game. 
Yep. <laughs> oh, well, you kept that one under your hat in our pre-chat. Um, <laughs> out of interest, why yeah. why is the rivalry with uh, the Portland Timbers? I think it's because um, they're both the sort of West Coast... Oh, how to explain it? Um, yeah, blue collar is probably the way to go. Like, Seattle is a bit ritzy. Um the galaxy are a bit ritzy. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. the, the Timbers and LAFC are a bit more, uh, you know, West Coast, dirty under the nails kind of teams. No, I can see that. And Portland is a bit yeah. like that as a city, uh, again, before we yeah. transfer yeah. into travel travel podcasting. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's interesting. I, and I'm very jealous that you're going to the game, by the way. Uh, that's class. Um I yeah I'm I'm with you all the way. I think it's a great move. I think you'll play a decent amount of football without without doing too much. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, he's joined at a point where things are kind of up and running already. So he's getting good game time without being under too much strain. I think yeah. it's an absolutely perfect move, and they they are playing well as well. They're kind of a, a top a top team in their conference. Um, so all in all, I think it's a it's a good it's a good decision for him, and he seems to be enjoying it already as well. I saw he threw the first pitch for the LA Dodgers the other night. He's, um, you know, he seems to have struck up a great relationship with some of the lads there. Chiellini, who's, who's joined as well, seems similarly uh, to, to get on with him as well. So it just seems like a great fit, um, which is terrific. And I don't know if you've seen his second his second goal for LAFC that he scored on the weekend. <laughs> the one against Salt Lake. Oh my god! And like, I, <laughs> like it does look like he's obviously you can see that it's he's slowed down, but like that little kind of turn of pace that he's got, he's still got that. And then yeah. the, the calmness and to to kind of dummy as if he's going round the keeper and do him at the near post was was great. So you know, from all the things we wanted from this transfer, wherever it took him, I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's pretty much a, a ten out of ten so far. He's sco- <laughs> scoring goals, keeping fit. You know, everything's going well. There. I mean, you could also say the same for uh, Mr. Aaron Ramsey, Monsieur Aaron Ramsey, in fact, <laughs> um, who's uh, who's joined Nice. A great, again, a great move there. Uh, they came fifth in the league last season, and they'll enter the UEFA Conference League at the playoff phase. So they've got a good chance of European football next season, which is brilliant. Um, and again, you know, talking about people hitting the ground running, he's been on the pitch sixty seconds, and he and he scores a fantastic goal. So again, you know, I, I don't think we ever predicted Nice as a as a destination for for Rambo, but I, I, I'm delighted with it, and he seem again to fit it in and make a great impression, and, and got off to a good start already. Yeah, I mean, you know, dragging them to a a one-one draw in an important game, uh, you know, that's that's going to tick some boxes with the with the locals, isn't it? And then exactly. and an interesting club on the rise as well. You know, that you think they've taken on Schmeichel and 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 Ramsey, and you know, they're obviously trying to move in a certain direction. Um, hopefully, as you say, there'll be some European football there, which will give you know plenty of plenty of playing time without too much playing time. Um, French league is interesting. I don't think it's quite as heavy, obviously, as some of as some of the leagues. But I think the technical uh, the technical play is good, and I think that might suit him quite well. Yeah, all in all, it's, dif- it's difficult to see either of those moves as negative, really, isn't it? They're what or what we've been concerned with with both of them is that they get some playing time without getting too much playing time, without being in a pressurized sort of deliver now scenario um and and i think 
for both of them, it ticks, ticks so many boxes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think, you know, the, the goal that he scored on the weekend, is it shows that he's, again, like we said about Bale there, has still got it. It's kind of a late burst into the box, kind of appears at the edge <laughs> of the box at the perfect time, lovely finish into the roof of the net. Um, these are the things that we want to see from, from these players. So just fantastic. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think it may not be an overly physical league, but I think it will be, it's a very technical league. And I think beyond the obvious of Marseille and PSG, it is quite a com- you know pretty competitive league, and mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of quality kind of through the league as well. Looking down to other teams like Monaco, I saw last night were technically very good. Um, so yeah, there's a lef- there's certainly enough quality knocking about there. So again, a, a good balance. Um, and equally, someone else who's gone to France, I can't make the same Monsieur joke again, but is uh, <laughs> is uh, is Joe Rodden, who's who's moved to Rennes, which uh, again, you know, fourth in the league last season. He's straight into the side for his debut in their first game of the season. Um, they will play in the Europa League as well, which is great experience for him. It's just again a perfect kind of scenario, really. It is, it is, and I think. Um... You know, Joe was probably one of the ones that we were most worried about, weren't we? Because he, if anything, he was initially, I think when he was at Spurs and he was, wasn't was playing often and he, and he was dropping into our games, he, he seemed to, he seemed to manage it. Whereas I think in the summer, in the June games, there started to be a little bit of a chink there about, you know, was he reading the game as quickly as he usually did? Did, was he, um, as focused as he usually was. And I think then, you know, there was starting to just be little sort of whispers of concern um, after the June games and, you know, the length of time between him playing competitive games. So I think, it, I think for him, it's really important to get some, some time under his belt. And it's a pivotal part of his career as well. I think even aside from the World Cup and our concerns for, for Wales, at an international level, just thinking of him as a club player, something had to happen this season. He couldn't go on as it were, as it was at, at Tottenham. So I think it's, I think it's a real, it might be the most crucial of all of the moves actually. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. Plus they play the Welsh national anthem with different words before every match. So, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got an ideal scenario there, I would say. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. I think, as you say, him getting game time was high on my priorities list, really, because we were unsure about Lockyer, who ironically is is getting some game time, uh, uh, and Mepham, sorry, who who isn't. But I mean, there's still there's still concern um, in, for those two. But I mean, that was something that was really on our mind. So I'm glad that that has kind of come through and been sorted. Um, another another defensive mover, if you like, is Nico Williams, slightly less glamorous than Ren and Nice. Uh, he's gone to Nottingham Forest. Um, in terms of the World Cup, I think it's a great it's a great move. He started on the weekend and he will play regularly. He'll have a lot to do. Um, I do worry, like I obviously watched the game Forest played Newcastle. Um, I do worry a little bit there because on the basis of how they played, and I know they'll take time to bed in, etc., he's going to have to do a lot of defending. And I do worry that that you know, if I'm being picky, that how much kind of attacking, how much time he'll have on the ball at Forest, if that makes sense. He won't really mm-hmm. get opportunities to get forward. Although he did get forward and create what should have been a goal um, for uh, for Forest on the weekend. Uh, this guy Sturridge, I think it was, uh, who kind of broke into the box, headed straight into the ground and over the bar. So he could have well have had an assist through no fault of his own. So it shows that that kind of attacking quality um, is still going to be present in the Premier League. And I think that's uh, that's great to see. 
Yeah, my concern, my concern for for him at Forest would would be as much about the level of turnover of players that they've had, and just trying to get him, everyone embedded and up to speed. And you know, you, you've so got to hit the ground running in the in the Premier League that I, I, I'm a little bit worried that they might have made the mistake that Fulham made a couple of seasons ago, the last time Fulham came up when they they all but you know cleared out the pantry and started again and I'm I'm a little worried Forrest might have made the same mistake and hence it ends up each individual player ends up with too much on their plate because because there isn't a kind of bedrock there that they're building on they're kind of starting from scratch almost yeah it's an interesting one that I saw an interview with Steve Cooper um who's got a big job on his hands there uh, and he was saying that that high turnover was going to happen anyway. There was such a big portion of their squad last season were loans or at the end of their contract. So that that happened. And it just kind of, I don't think they were planning if you if that's the right way to, to mm-hmm. put together a, a promotion push this season. So I think from that perspective, that was always going to happen. But obviously it's heightened then in the Premier League with, with the players that you need to get in, the challenges that brings, the money that goes with that. Obviously the bar is a lot higher for everything there. So um, yeah, it's an interesting move ultimately I think looking ahead to the World Cup I think it's a good one you know in a very selfish way in the short term we need him to play regularly up until November and that I think is what will happen um so I'm happy in that sense and I think that's again as I say in the short term is what the important thing is um Wayne Hennessy has also joined him at Forest I I think you know he's he's only going to end up playing the cup games which is you know it is what it is they've signed uh, Dean Henderson. I was going to say John Henderson. Uh, Dean Henderson uh, on 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 loan from Manchester United. He'd give it a damn good going goal, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, he probably would. Um, so yeah, they, they, so he's obviously not going to get much game time there. I would imagine at Forest, but you know, he, it's a good experience again for for him to kind of be around the Premier League as he was last year with Burnley. But I mean, the the worry with that is, I would say, especially you mentioned Schmeichel, for example, going to Nice. From from Wayne's perspective, is I think that that means that barring Leicester splashing out on a keeper, there's every chance that Ward will be the keeper going into the World Cup, just purely on the basis that, you know, he's likely to be the one who's going to be playing Premier League football every week. Yeah, well, I mean, he started at, in the Brentford game, didn't he, at the weekend? Um, Ward now, sorry. Um, so I think that sort of hints that that's certainly where, where Leicester, are leaning, Leicester are leaning at the minute. As you say, there's the transfer window is still open. Something could change. Um, but I think it would be then difficult to take Hennessy as our number one keeper if, if, if Wardy's getting decent regular playing time with a, with a Premier League club and, and Hennessy is sort of making guest appearances in cup games. I think, I think that does sort of tip the balance uh, rather more than it's been over the last 18 months or so, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, all we want is someone to be playing regular footballing goal. Yeah. Whether you know the fact that it's a Premier League is is the icing on the cake, if if you, if you like. So from that perspective, I'm happy with the outcome. It's just a shame for Wayne because again, I thought he was excellent in those uh, in those playoff games. But you know, mm-hmm. there you go. It is what it is. I suppose the opportunity to sit on the bench of the Premier League team is is potentially a good you know too good to turn down I think when he signed yeah. for them I don't think they'd had Henderson locked up at that point um locked in sorry not locked up he's not in jail that so <laughs> I, I think that maybe played a part in it as well but ultimately I, I suppose the outcome being you know we have a, a, a goalkeeper started in the Premier League is, is a bonus um 
you know, starting to look down the divisions ever so slightly. Joe Allen has made a move to Swansea. Um, I think he'll play a lot there. I think that the style of play that they play will suit him and will suit will suit the you know what we want him to do for Wales. So he'll be playing in a similar style quite often. I also think it's quite important for Welsh football, to be honest, that we have one of our linchpins, one of our big name players, if you like, playing their football in Wales. I think that's I think that's really important. So again, all told, I think that's a, a very good move. Yep, I, and I was I was reading he he stuck he was involved in the Oxford game last night, so that's good yeah. to see that he's coming back from the injury he picked up in the internationals. Um, I, yeah, I mean I don't disagree with you. I, I think things were stagnating at Stoke, weren't they? And I, I yeah. you know I think the important thing is that he's ticking over. Um, I think it's an interesting signing for the Swans. They obviously need some defensive kind of solidifying based on how they were playing uh last year so I, I think i think he's you know has the potential to be quite important for them and i think that importance helps his play um so i'm as you say i'm hopeful that we could we, he can he can play in a way that is more akin to what we're used to seeing at international level um yeah i agree i think that the the, the important one is that he just he just gets through the the next few months without any further knocks, isn't it? Oh, hundred percent. He's like that. That recovery from injury is the key thing for him. Really, it doesn't. I mean, from a selfish perspective, it doesn't really bother me whether it's at Stoke or uh, or at Swansea. The fact is, at Swansea, as I say, is an added bonus as far as I'm concerned. Um, again, just a few others. We're not obviously going to pick up on everything because we'd be this. This is all the podcast would be about. But another <laughs> one that kind of stuck out to me was Rabi Matondo going to Rangers. Um, I wondered what you thought of that because. I think he's at a key part of his career now, isn't he? He needs to be playing every week. He needs to be developing and, and, and demonstrating, especially with the World Cup coming, that he's capable of being their kind of surprise player, their go-to man, if you like, um, and can kind of produce final balls and goals. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm glad for the move because I think he needed to sort of upgrade, as it were, from where he was playing in Belgium last year. Um, I think the fact that there's, you know, there's European uh, games on the table. There's their cup competitions. You know they have a busy schedule, so I'm I, I'm sure there's space in their squad for someone like Rabi. I'm just not sure how much game time he's really going to see. Um, but I think at this point he he had to sort of back himself, as it were, and be willing to take on that challenge. Uh, so I think that that's the best part of the move for me is the fact that he's he's said okay i've i've got this you know i've got to go to the next level in terms of the kind of competitions i'm in this is an opportunity to do that um again i i'm just not certain he's going to get that much play ultimately well, it's interesting. He's he's had a, an involvement in every game, like every competitive Rangers have played yeah. this season. Yeah. So he is definitely getting some game time. I agree with you. Whether you know he needs to be impacting games in a in a in a more yeah. important way, I, I guess is the best way to say that he needs to be someone who's scoring goals and creating assists, and that's the thing that's going to be hopefully or potentially getting him on the on the plane to Qatar. So I, I think. In that sense, it's important that he's made a move and he's going somewhere where he can have a positive mm. impact. I just hope he gets 
those opportunities. It's interesting to note that, uh, of course, Tom Lawrence went to Rangers as well. Um, we will not go down that rabbit hole again, but I, I do think it's a good move. And again, he seems to have made, I've not seen any of it from things I've read, he's made a positive mm-hmm. start there and has had a good impact. So um, I, I wonder if that he will end up making his way into Rob Page's plans. But again, we will have to wait and see. And uh, I don't want to go down that road. Um, there, I, just think, I do think on. that's a good move for him. Oh, I yeah, think it was time definitely. for him to be in a different environment as well as much as anything else. A hundred percent. You know, I don't doubt that he's he's again has had a strong involvement from what I've seen and read. He's, he's so it's a great move for him. And you know, mm-hmm. the the alternative was playing League One football, and he's playing Champions League football at the moment. Yeah. Um, obviously, I know it's the the qualifying round of the playoffs still to come. They're playing PSV actually, so I'm going to try and get back to the game for that. But um, all right, That'd be interesting. Yeah. So uh, I, again, I think it's a good move. And like I say, you know, there are others that we can we can talk about. But um, there's one that we there was there was a couple more. Up. Sorry, there was a couple more I wanted to mention. Go for it. So, one of the ones I think might end up having the most impact for us isn't actually a transfer, but is Ben Davies' new contract at Spurs. I think I think that might prove very telling for us in the long term. Um, he's obviously pretty, you know, pretty central to Conte's plans. I think his status within the club has risen immensely. Um, his value to the club is, you know, has risen and hence is appreciated. I just, I just think actually in the long term that might turn out to be one of the key things from this summer is his, uh, that kind of nod of confidence that comes from being in a, in, you know, in a club that's playing in, in, um, in the Champions League with a manager that wants you with a new contract on the table. Um, I thought that was very pleasing to see. No, absolutely. A great, great thing for him. And it's great that he's having a big role at that club again after what was a tricky, tricky spell previously. So yeah. glad for him again. He started on the weekend, a good a good win. They won 4-1 against Southampton. So um, happy for him. Absolutely, absolutely. Was there anyone else that you wanted to, to mention? Uh, I thought Tyler Roberts's QPR loan was an interesting move. It's a, a bit like Ravi. I like the fact that he's backing himself. And I think he's, he, you know, he's one of those players that thought to himself, if I'm getting on that plane to Qatar, I've got to be putting it, you know, they've got to see some minutes um, in, the, in the autumn. And so I like the fact that he's backed himself for that. Yeah, and I, then, sorry, can I just then, interrupt course, you there? On there's, t- the Ethan Amper, there's the Ethan Ampadu question. Um, yeah, well, 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 I just want to, before we go to Ethan Ampadu, I just want to say, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you saw it, but Tyler Roberts scored an absolute worldie on his debut for QPR against Charlton last night. Kind of picked the ball up relatively deep, ran at someone, cut inside, and has unleashed an unbelievable effort, like a looped, like he's kind of whipped over the keeper and, and down into the back of the net. It was a fantastic strike. So, so again, you know, we're talking about people who've had a good start to the season. We'll come back to that because mm-hmm. there's a couple of others as well who've got goals and assists, but a fantastic, uh, fantastic goal for him on his QPR debut. Um, Ampadu was, was definitely the next thing to come to. Darren Lewis asked, what next for Ampadu? Um, it's a great question, really, because we've talked about all the positive stuff and that he's the one who hasn't moved and there's still kind of questions about. It seems like he might or should or will move. I don't think he's... I think he's going to be allowed to leave and he's been linked to uh, Empoli uh, back in Syria, who who are managed by the Venezia manager who had him last season. So that's good. I think it's interesting that the clubs who are interested in him aren't Premier League or or... UK-based teams, mm. I think. I, I think that's telling, and I think a lot of that is due to kind of an uncertainty about his position. 
Um, I think teams want to know that your best position is going to be as a centre-half or as a defensive midfielder. I think people aren't kind of sure on that, but he's obviously played at the back in Italy, so that's where they see him, and maybe that's why there's a bit more of a willingness um, to, to kind of take him on over there. Again, that still hasn't kind of come to fruition. There's no there's no final answer on that one yet. But I think him going somewhere is really, really important for Wales. He's shown that he's got over his injury concerns um, mm-hmm. and he's very much developed. I, I personally see him for Wales as a defensive midfielder, but I think his best position, ironically, might be centre-half. Um, but whatever the outcome there, he's someone who's, who's the last one. If we were asking for a perfect summer, I think he's the one who needs to go and then we couldn't really have asked for much more, could we? I would agree with you. I mean, I think even with the, the sort of caveats we've had discussing some of the, the players, I think I, I think it's very difficult to see any of the, those moves for anything but but positive. Um, I think I think Ethan's you know interest to other Italian teams is is reflective of of the good season he had with Venezia and you know in a team that ultimately went down, but he impressed. Uh, and I think you know there's a they can other other Italian teams can. Uh, can picture him sliding into their system because, you know, because of what they saw last season. And and obviously he impressed Zanetti. So I think Empoli is probably the most the most likely place because you and and the most interesting for Ethan as well, because he's going back to a manager that he obviously were, enjoyed working with. And, you know, life's not so bad if you're moving from Venice to Florence either, is it, all things considered? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, it wouldn't be the end of my world if that was my next uh, my <laughs> next destination, I've got to be honest. I uh, Yeah, I, I think I, I just am quite, quite surprised. I guess people haven't seen much of him play, but, I mean, mm-hmm. he's so versatile and talented and this aggressive yeah. and strong the way he plays. I'm just quite surprised. And, you know, I say things about wanted Newcastle to sign Welsh players all the time, but... I think he's someone who would just be worth it, like relatively speaking, worth a gamble. I, I'm, I'm not sure I'd actually want to see him go to Newcastle now, just because I think we've we've strengthened in midfield and defence anyway. But mm-hmm. like that sort of club, like a a club who are looking to kind of be up on the rise, and you know, someone like Villa, perhaps, who you know, I, I think they've signed Diego Carlos at the back. You know, someone like Ampadu to come in and play in midfield or at the back. Um, even what Brighton was the other one I was going to say because of the way they play, the st- their style mm-hmm. of play I think might sue him. So I'm, I am a little bit surprised, but hey-ho, as long as he gets a move somewhere and is playing football, I think ultimately at this stage of the game, that's what matters. One more thing that I wanted to mention just before we move on to talking about the some of the Welsh clubs is how Kiefer Moore got on on the weekend. Obviously started, which I was surprised at um, for Bournemouth, mm-hmm. but great to see that he started and he scored... You know, I mentioned earlier a trademark Aaron Ramsey goal. I think Kiefer Moore scored what I would call a trademark Kiefer Moore goal. And uh, just kind of peeling away at the back post, nodding the ball back across the keeper, cracking header. Um, perfect start to life in the Premier League. I, I thought from what I saw that he played really, really well. So, again, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to get carried away or jinx things here, but things have got off to a remarkably good start. <laughs> oh, dear. We're done for already. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think I think my biggest surprise was, was seeing that he started. Um, not so much, that, I mean, obviously it's good to see him score, but I think the surprise was in seeing him starting. Um, and they had a, you know, they had a good game overall, didn't they? So I think, um, if, I mean, I would be surprised if that becomes their norm. Um, but I do think he's a nice, he's a nice add on for, for a team at that level in, in the Premier League. And, you know, hopefully he's going to, he's, he's, 
just going to have some experience against some different styles of defences, some, you know, not quite as workmanlike as, as he would, for obvious reasons, have had as he's come up through the leagues. And I think that, you know, that challenge of, you know, finding space when you've got a different class of defender against you, I think that's it's only going to be good for him. And it's a great story overall, isn't it? Where you think where he's come from and to. Um, and I'm actually very proud of the fact of the, the part that the FAW have played in sort of nurturing that through as well and finding him and, you know, give, giving him a confidence to, to push for things. I think it's a great story. Yeah, I agree. It's a fantastic story and credit needs to be given to the FAW and, and mm. everyone who's kind of part of that. Um, I actually think if looking at Bournemouth play on the weekend, I do think he will actually play quite a lot. I think the way they're looking to play is have him kind of hold up the ball, get the ball wide and then help be part of the, the team who are getting the ball, who were, who were on the ball in the back of the, in the box. Sorry. So I, I do think that kind of style of play is actually good how they might look to, to be moving forward, you know, against the Villa team who've spent, as I said a, a little bit earlier, a lot of money on, mm-hmm. on defenders. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a really positive start for him. And I do think you'll be involved regularly. So I think that is, Top top news for him, and like as you say, a fantastic story. Um, to turn our attention, when, when you when you start adding it up, Dave, we've got a lot of players suddenly involved in the Premier League, haven't we? Yeah, we really have. In, and I think yeah. looking at our our squad now, we've yeah. got probably our six, our first choice sixteen, if you like, are all playing at the top tier somewhere, be that yeah. in you know Scotland or France or. America or the UK do you know what I mean like it's a yeah it's a it's, yeah. a it's a real positive sign just how well things are going um speaking of uh club football there we will have a quick run through the uh just a few thoughts on how we think the clubs might do some of the Welsh clubs sorry might do this season as well as a quick look at how some of the Welsh teams have done in Europe as well already this year um I appreciate it's obviously been difficult, Ruth, for you. But you, as you say, you mentioned you took July off, so um, I think this will be interesting. We are far from kind of club experts; we're more more the countryside of things. I, I was going to call us country experts then, but I think many listeners would refute that. Um, I think we'll start with Cardiff. I, I'm not sure about Cardiff to be honest. They've, they've got some good; they've made some good signings in certain areas, but a big step forward is needed last, from last season. They were very poor, I thought, in big portions of the season from what I saw and need an improvement off to a mixed start you know a a very very good win against Norwich I thought they played well but then came up against Reading who they were a bit unlucky not to take something from Reading for what I saw um you know O'Dowder got his got his goal quite early missed a good chance uh to make it 2-0 and had a decent amount of possession actually comparatively by Cardiff standards and just let Reading back into the game a bit unfortunate in a sense because the Reading's winning goal is an absolute Rip snorter was the first mm-hmm. thing that came into my head there. I don't think I've ever said the word rip snorter before, but <laughs> um, it was it was a cracker. Um, so a little bit unlucky there, I I know. So, um, but all in all, I think I think Cardiff should be should be around the mid table area. I think they should probably could probably be quite happy with that as well, given how how last season went, like the upper upper half of mid table. But I don't think they're going to be challenging for for the playoffs. Is my is my take on things? Yeah, my gut. Got reaction is they'll be on that that sort of cusp of the playoffs, not challenging, but only just behind. Yeah. Uh, is my gut reaction? God knows what I'm really basing that on. Um, the I think the level of turnover is interesting, um, and yet they've spent very little, a lot of free transfers, a lot of loans. Um, tried to bring in some sort of 
championship experienced heads to add to, you know, what appears to be quite a, a good youth academy system that is starting to actually bring some players through. So I think there's an there's an interesting mix there um, that that Morrison is starting to to sort of orchestrate a bit more. Um, I I just can't see them being good enough to really challenge the sort of Norwich, Watford, Middlesbrough, West Broms of the world. Every year in that league, someone does what Huddersfield did last year and comes out of nowhere. So it's not an impossibility, but I, I just feel like there's too many teams that are just, just frankly, probably better than them um, for them really to be challenging consistently and nailing down a playoff place. I think I just think it's unlikely. And yeah, I'm not sure there's anything terribly wrong with that if it really is a building year, if it takes what was strong last year, addresses the weaknesses, pushes forward, and has a, a, a style of play and a consistency established for a subsequent season. I agree. And I think if they're looking, I think they obviously need to and want to evolve their style of play. So I think that yeah. it's important that that happens and there's steps along the way. I also think it's important from a Welsh perspective that the, the players they've got there have some game time, like Colwell, like Mark Harris. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's really quite important as well. Again, I, I appreciate it's not Cardiff's priority. Um, but for, from our perspective, I think that's important. I saw Colwell came on last night uh, in the Carabao Cup and got a bit got a bit of game time. So that's something. So I, I think that's my main thing I want from Cardiff, but I appreciate they fans probably <laughs> don't care what I want, uh, which is fair enough. Um, Swansea, I am wary about having a a rant, so to speak, about the clubs because I don't. I, I appreciate I don't watch them every week. I don't know enough. I just I, I see highlights every week and extended highlights. I appreciate are not the uh, you know the, the most in depth way to, to to follow things. I do just wonder if at a point where the, the the patience runs dry with their project they had they have great runs through the season they have times where they're playing great football and times when they keep, <coughs> when they keep the ball and don't really do anything with it uh, and i would say blackburn on the weekend again i saw the extended highlights of that you know they 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 did have some good chances they passed the ball really nicely but sloppy mistakes getting done on the break they lost 3-0 and they had 71% possession you know, yeah. at, a, at a point, I think they that something needs to be addressed here because maybe and maybe Swansea fans are happy to come. I don't know, twelfth or whatever, tenth every season, if on the basis they're playing some nice football. I just feel like for the football to be successful, there needs to be a level of success, and I just and I just worry that they're too inconsistent, especially defensively. I mean. God, the three goals they conceded. I know we're only two games in, but the three goals they conceded on the weekend were really, really poor. Um, and the, like the first one, especially, for example, trying to play out for the back and getting caught. The manager has to take a bit of slack for that. I appreciate the player is the one who's at fault, but you know the, the, the manager is the one who wants to play that way. So I'm a little bit concerned about Swansea, if I'm honest. I don't think they'll go down or anything like that. I just think they need something different to make them more consistent. Maybe Joe Allen might be that thing when he's fully recovered. I don't know. But I do I do worry a little bit about Swansea. I, I really don't think they'll be anywhere near the playoffs. Uh, similarly, as I said there about Cardiff, I think they'll probably end up the season around about the same the same place. Um, I just feel like at a point, this style of football has to come to something. And I worry that too often it doesn't. 
to to answer your question about the changes, I think I think the addition of Joe Allen and Harry Darlington are both quite conscious statements about trying to get a little bit more solid defensively. Um, and obviously, we haven't seen yet whether that's going to have the that impact or not. But I think it, at least it's an acknowledgement of the type of players that one one needs to add to that squad. Um, I, I agree with you. I think I, I do think they're a very interesting kind of case study, aren't they? Of what what value one puts on style of play over results and and ultimately results are what counts and so i don't i think i think i'd like just to see them being just a touch more pragmatic just a touch more sort of focused on outcome um but then they're not my team as you said i don't watch i don't watch them regularly enough to really tease it out i just i just wonder whether that seesaw has just tipped just a little too far in one direction i think the seesaw analogy ruth is an excellent one and one that i <laughs> that i wish i had come up with myself um yeah I, I think that is a perfect way to describe it i really really do um i think that's where they'll come like i say like similar to cardiff just kind of mid table won't threaten anything at either end um Newport I've you know regular listeners will know I do have a big soft spot for Newport but I think it's going to be a tough season for them I think similarly to how we've said about Swansea I think they need to improve defensively as well uh Newport obviously they've lost their their star striker which is is going to be a problem for them but obviously they have now finally had a, a full pre-season with their new manager and it's kind of been a yeah. bit of a mixed start to the year obviously they lost to Walsall almost inevitably on the weekend managed by <laughs> Mickey Flynn um a game like again you know watching extended highlights of that I, I don't know how they've lost that game it's an absolute mystery the chances they've wasted and then the the manner of goal that they scored it was almost it was almost funny in that when the balls kind of bundled across the line I think Dimitri has been given with the own goal the away fans didn't celebrate because it, it was such a scrum seeing the ball go over the line. The away fans only start to celebrate when the when the players start running towards them. It was complete silence. The ball hits the back, well, I say hits the back of the net, crosses the line, and there's like a bit of kind of shouting, and then everyone runs mm-hmm. away. The ref blows his whistle, and it's complete silence until they see the players <laughs> running towards him. Like, oh, shit, we've scored. Let's go, man. We scored? Yeah, it was, it was quite bizarre, actually. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I really want them to make that next step. And again, I, I just, I worry that losing the goals that they have in their side might be an issue. They've signed, they've signed someone again. I've, I've written it down somewhere, but I can't find it. They've signed someone again today. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think I would really, again, I, I say this all the time. I would love for them to do well. I really, really would. But again, I think if they can get into the playoffs, I think that'd be a great achievement for them. Yeah, I was, I was looking at, recent history and it's it's 10 years since they came back into the league and it's been eventful you have to say that yeah. you know it's not, it's not quiet at Rodney Parade is it um so t- thinking about what's happening on the pitch though I I think there's a real inconsistency issue with with has, has been a real inconsistency issue with their play yeah. um you look at how they fell out of things at the end of last season for example um they'll miss Dom Telford I'd you know, as you said already, uh, some of the new guys that have come in, there's obviously some some leaning towards trying to get some <clears throat> um, more sort of up tempo play 
uh, based on, on their signings. And I think Will Dig is an interesting addition, um, bringing some sort of experience of the league and a, a, another one <clears throat> whose addition I think is about sort of midfield solidity. So I'm quietly hopeful and I think they're a sort of outside bet for the playoffs, as it were. Um, but I think that league is such a... It's so unpredictable, isn't it? I mean, they all are to it. Well, maybe not the Premier League, but they, they all are to an extent. And I, and I think Newport's sort of recent history is is one of, of, of inconsistency. And I think until they can address that, then we're probably just going to see the same. I agree. And I, I think your point about the Premier League being unpredictable is uh, is a great one because we already know that Newcastle have got the league wrapped up after demolishing Notts <laughs> uh, Forest on the weekend. So, uh, so there we go. Um, one more uh, before I do a quick roundup of the of European adventures is Wrexham, of course, who who I know you have the biggest soft spot for. Um, I think from my perspective, Wrexham just have to go up. It's that simple for them this season. I think the money, the investment, the everything that's gone around it, the pressure, the ticket sales, there's 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 nothing that means that they shouldn't be going up this year. Obviously, good win at the start of the season coming from 1-0 down to come back and win 2-1 was fantastic to see. So I, I think that's just got to be that aim. They've, You know, the playoffs is not even, I would say, would be a slight disappointment for them. I think they've got to be in that top one this year. I think they've, they're probably looking at squads, probably the best team in the league. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, as I say, got off to a great start. I mean, two great goals off the bench from, from Elliot Lee, who's, I mean, as we've said about others in the past, is certainly capable of playing a step higher, in my opinion, um, if not two steps higher. So, again, great goals from him. I think it was the second one in particular where he's just kind of just cut inside. Well, both quite similar goals, actually, but where where he's kind of stepped inside and really bent one round the keeper. So it was a fantastic strike. So, yeah, that's got to be the aim for them this year, as far as I'm concerned. And I I think this will be their year to get back into the league. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players in in that squad that either have league one and two experience or are should be at that level um i would i would agree with you i think they they have to be the best squad in that in that league on paper um they've kept their goal scorers which might ultimately be the the key thing uh i, I agree with you i think it has to be top spot because the the playoffs are just too much of a sort of roulette wheel and you know, history has shown over the last 15 years that even when they get in the playoffs, there's, there's some, there's a, there's always a hurdle that proves too much. Yeah. Um, so I think they're better focusing on a sort of, you know, all for first place almost. And and if, and if it falls out, they're going the the playoffs are so, such a roulette thing that it, you know, as Grimsby showed, it's you know, you don't have to be in second place to. To get that, to get the best out of the playoffs, so I, I think they've got to go for it, Dave. And I, I think you're right. I think this season, everything is lined up right. This season, there's been, there's, they've been sort of, you know, percentages of the way there last year. Whereas I, they have to hit it this year. They really do. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Now on the Welsh clubs, uh, we've been asked a question by Gaz Williams. Mm-hmm. He's asked what we thought of the Welsh clubs who competed in Europe and and kind of the outcomes. Just as a quick. Um, Reminder for anyone who's not sure, um, TNS, very unlucky, to be perfectly honest. I know TNS are not everyone's cup of tea, but very unlucky. Seconds away from going through to the second qualifying round. Uh, the third qualifying round, sorry. Uh, second qualifying round, I tell a lie. Sorry, I'm trying to read my notes. So I go here. Um, uh, they were 1-0 up against Linfield, um, who scored a last-minute, a 94th-minute equaliser. 
and then Linfield then scored quite early in extra time and saw that out. They were literally seconds away from qualifying, so very difficult. But then, since then, they got outdone by an Icelandic team who, something Reykjavik, I'm not even going to try and pronounce, and uh, the first word didn't embarrass myself, uh, the away leg did for them. They got beaten 2-0 and, and came back 0-0-0. I think they'll feel disappointed, really, because they're playing teams who are kind of in and around them in the FIFA coefficients, uh, yeah. if that's the best way to rank them, Iceland and Northern Ireland. But Northern Ireland may be a bit harsh, but I mean, they, they I feel like they'll probably be disappointed with, with the outcome there. Um, Bala, in a in a similar sense, lost one nil home and away uh, to a Northern Irish team. So again, if that's our bar, I think you know that though eventually we've got to overcome that hurdle. What I will mm-hmm. say is, you know, they're a semi-professional club, um, and you know it's the first time they've been in that position in a long time. So I think <laughs> in the wider perspective, I think we've got to be looking to to get teams to climb up that coefficient and beat the teams around them. But I think in their particular instance, um, I, I think it's actually quite a quite a good effort. Um, Newtown beat uh, HB. Again, I've uh, shortened that because I, again, have no chance of saying the actual name. Um, from Of the Pharaohs uh, to, uh, to get through on penalties to the second qualifying round, but lost to Spartak Tvarna um, of Slovakia. I think of all of the teams, they're the ones who I think can probably say they acquitted themselves the best. You know, mm-hmm. the Slovakian league, and again, in the efficient coefficients, is like 20 places above the Welsh. Yeah. Uh, the Welsh. So I, I think in that aspect, I think that's a good effort to get through the first leg. They've done the, they've beaten the team, if you like, that they should beat, and anything from there on mm-hmm. is a bonus. You know, they gave a good account of themselves, but couldn't do it. So as I say, I think TNS will probably be disappointed with, with what's happened to them, given the opposition that they've come up against, but... And how close they were in that. Exactly. Against Linfield, as you said. Um, so that's that's my particular take on it. I think and if Welsh football is going to improve, um, we talked about this, a, 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 I was going to say a couple of pods ago, that's a lie, we spoke about it maybe maybe a year or so ago. I'm... I'm I, I'm a big fan of uh, Friday nights being the way forward for, for Welsh football. Mm-hmm. I think I go and watch my local team here in, in the Netherlands. Ado play every Friday. It's cracking. After work, I go straight mm-hmm. to the pub basically every other Friday. have a cracking load of beers with my pals. And then we get on the tram, go to the match, back to the pub afterwards. Your Friday night, every other night, every other week is sorted. Um you know, I can understand it doesn't make ease. It doesn't make does make going to away games a bit tricky. Um, but I think for Welsh football to have its Welsh club football to have its prime spot of its own on a Friday night, I think mm-hmm. could be great. You can still play other games on Saturdays and Sundays like they do in the Netherlands for the for the Championship here, which is what I go to. But I, I think having Friday nights as Welsh football night, I think would be would be really really great. So that would. You know, I think that's something to make a difference. I think the more money that comes in, the more you know investment that could go into facilities, which improves the squads and so on and so on. And I don't get me wrong; I'm not suggesting that it's moving to Friday nights will solve all of the problems and help everything in Europe. But I, I do think it would be a, a big step forward. But that's that's my ten pence worth. I think overall, I think everyone can be fairly happy with with the outcomes, um, with a probable exception of TNS, who will probably be pretty disappointed. Yeah, no, I, I I would agree with that. And I think um, hopefully, you know, our World Cup qualifying and, and things that are happening in that area, the coffers are going to be a little bit fuller than, than they were. And I'm sure, well, you, we, there's already plans in terms of helping that kind of trickle down the pyramid. So we've, you know, uh, we, we've got to push as well for results of that. It's not just about spending the money. It's about spending the money wisely and getting results from it. So interesting to see how that develops. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, I wanted to finish with, you know, our, our aim of finishing under an hour is going 
really well at the moment. So, well, I've just said <laughs> I've ruined that now. But um, I did want to mention uh, the women's game uh, for two reasons, obviously. I think it's important to note uh, or credit even, sorry, the Lionesses with their, with their win in the Euros. I thought, having watched a, a decent portion of the tournament, I thought they were quite comfortably the best team. I thought it was a big shame that uh, the Germans didn't have their star striker available for the final but all in all I, I did think England were the better team so you've got to you, you even though I wanted the Germans to win on the night you've got to say credit to England who were probably the well without question actually the the strongest team in the tournament really yeah you got the, I mean it's difficult to acknowledge it but you've got to tip your hat at them they were they were the class of the, of the tournament there's no doubt about that um that has obviously had a positive impact uh on I would like to think anyway that's had a positive impact on on Welsh football moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, the game against Slovakia is already uh, Slovenia, sorry, uh, is is already a record breaking sales game. They broke that like a month ahead of the game, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's a huge game uh, for for Wales women's football. We've looked at the ins and outs of how the playoffs work, so we'll we'll come back to that kind of. Uh, shambles shambles another time but obviously getting to the playoffs and getting into that would be a huge achievement for Wales so if you can go to that game uh, please please do the big question that I wanted to ask Ruth uh, which Ant uh, my friend of mine uh, has asked with our neighbours winning the Euros how does the FAW capitalise on the potential growth of the women's game what can they do to take advantage of this positive wave that will come our way which I think is a great question I mean, I think, in, in fairness to the FAW, I think they've been building a, their own wave as well recently, particularly about um, around the, the ticket sales of the for the women's games have, have have really been excellent over the last few fixtures, haven't they? So I think I think there's two parts to this. There's what the FAW have been doing, and that. Um, engagement program that they have and that you know just the media and the accessibility of the players and their relationship with the fans and uh, I think I think all of that is in a good place and is on is on a growth curve the the development as in sort of club level uh, obviously needs attention in in Wales and I think I think that's that's true of the men's and the women's, but I think it's just more pronounced with the with the women's teams. Um, the there are some sort of riding on the coattails stuff we can do in terms in terms of just like kind of like interest that I'm sure watching the Euros has generated in a lot of younger girls and, and teen girls who you know might be sort of slightly interested in football and now might give it more of a go or or just in, interested in watching it more or, or supporting their local uh their local women's teams and that sort of thing but i think i think the faw do are actually doing a good job at the minute of sort of generating that buzz around the team i think where it where both countries need you know, now need the focus is ensuring that the grassroots is healthy and developmental and that there's academies running and there's, you know, progress routes for girls going into their teens and then in, and then into the professional game. And just, just all of that stuff that's developed around the men's game. I'm not saying you just pick it up and move it across and somehow it'll be, you know, a mirror image will be a perfect fit because it won't. But there are there are lessons to learn in how structures have developed in 
different leagues that can help us develop the women's league better. I think what you said there about grassroots is the key for me. I think mm-hmm. there's it's got to be obvious opportunity. I think that's the yeah. thing. I think there are going to be young girls out there at the moment who are interested in doing this through seeing the lionesses, through seeing the success of the women's team in Wales on its on its own. And I think that that for me is the key. I think if they have and see those opportunities for them to go and play and the academies will be great and, uh, you know, league structures and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think in this instance, they need that opportunity and that visibility. I, I saw that Gemma Granger is doing a uh, like a personal appearance thing in Marks and Spencer's talking about healthy eating in, in Cardiff City mm-hmm. Centre. I think it's tomorrow. Um, so, again, that visibility is important, but it needs to translate into opportunities. That's the key thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've and I can't remember. I've said this before. I coached a, a women's a girls team. Sorry. Um, back in my my home team my hometown team um many many moons ago and after i think i had them at under 15s and at under 16s everything just disappeared and i and i'm so mm. glad that things the structures have improved that that's no longer the case anymore but equally that was that own one of the only levels that that team could those girls could play at as well yeah so it was it was this kind of weird window for them where i'm glad they got the opportunities but equally that was about it and i and i just hope that these there's enough financial support and and setups in place so that girls going to clubs can be actively involved in in football and the lionesses again to their credit have made a great statement after they won saying that they want it to be compulsory for for girls to be playing um actively playing uh, football every week in schools and i think you know rightly or wrongly i don't want to go down that road but i think some kind of initiative like that that happened in wales i think would be fantastic um if, if it could be unleashed and i love that suggestion from the lioness has obviously got a long way to go before it happens but something like that coming into place in wales i think would also be a big bonus girls getting involved in playing football in school in a more in a more uh um uh regular is the word i was looking for way yeah. um so yeah uh, fantastic i mean there will be a full preview uh coming from from us from those Slovenia and Greece games uh, in a couple of weeks but just to finish off there with the with the women's team Ruth a fantastic opportunity that these two games present us now in September um hugely hugely important games and I mean we are really on the on the tipping point of, of something monumental in, in Welsh football aren't we yeah I mean could you imagine if we somehow got both teams into a World Cup. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean it's a, t- it's a even getting through to the playoffs, we won't we won't belabor the point because it's a it's a it's a maze, basically. But it's you know it's a long road even from even if things go successfully in September, it's a long road through the playoffs. But all all you can do is win the next game. And I think we you know we've got to make sure that we support them through the Greece game and then support them in the Slovenia game and just uh, be as much of a sort of twelfth woman as as we can be really those of us that are sitting on the sides. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And hopefully, as you say, we can only win the next game. So let's make sure we do that against Slovenia and Greece. 
huge opportunities. Can't wait for those. And as I say, we'll be doing a, a preview of that coming up. Um, I think that's up, us it from us, Ruth. Before we do finish, uh, and I ask you if I have anything to add, I do just want to say a few few things. We've got a load of stuff that we're going to be hopefully coming out for you this season. We're hopefully going to pod every other week. Um, I'm, we're going to try and put something on YouTube every week now that the season is up and running again. Um, equally, there's hopefully going to be some stuff coming out on our website on a regular basis, colemanhadadream.com. Um, you know, doing this podcast is fantastic fun. It's something we enjoy, but also it is uh, something that I would say, Ruth, probably, you know, doesn't make us uh, uh, a great a great amount of money. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think we're in the red. Quite, yes, exactly. I know we're in the red. <laughs> yeah, Ruth, as the, uh, as the uh, financial director of this operation, can confirm that things are, are not strong. Um, basically, we... We don't want to go on Patreon or anything like that, but it would be great if we did get some help and support. So if you wanted to go to buymeacoffee.com, um, there's some link. There's a link for it on our website as well. I'll also tweet something out. Um, it would be super helpful if you could search for Coleman Had a Dream on buymeacoffee.com and, and just donate something towards us. It doesn't have to be every week, every month, whatever, just every now and again when you feel the mood takes you just to kind of make this um, sustainable for us so we can get some new equipment that doesn't end up costing us money and uh, and uh, and putting us in the red every year. So yeah, if, if you are willing and interested, it would be really helpful and great if you could go to buymeacoffee.com, uh, search for Coleman Had a Dream and make a little donation to keep this podcast free. Um, that is it from me, Ruth. Do you have anything you would like me to add? No, no, just um, I'm glad I'm kind of like, you know, I can I can feel my sort of football brain pinging back into into gear. It's all, you know... It needed the month off, but it's back in a happy place now. (laughs) Well, there you are, ladies and gents. Ruth is back to her strongest. She's had a great um, (laughs) pre-season. I took pre-season off, I think. (laughs) (laughs) It was still a great pre-season. And uh, we will be firing all cylinders. Um, We'll be back very soon. Probably the next pod we do will be uh, about the women's game. But in the meantime... We are looking forward to watching some football and hopefully uh, seeing Ethan Ampadu get a new club very, very soon. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your time, Ruth. You're welcome. It was it was nice to catch up. Yes, it's good to be back, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Thank you very much, and we will speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>